Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. And uh, over the past couple weeks, as I thought and prayed about what to share this morning, uh, a single word kept coming to my mind every time. And the word, I wouldn't say, is a word that's widely used. You don't necessarily hear it all the time. Uh, but it has incredible meaning within its four letters. And it's one that will have something to do in your life and your relationship with God. It will affect your relationships. This one word really has something to say about your entire life. And this word sits on one half of a pie. And the other side is something completely opposite of it. And what's crazy about this word is, in many ways, it speaks to the level of true joy. The the level of meaning and even the level of purpose that you have in your life. One denotes a lot of effort. Okay? A certain amount of risk. And because of that, Because of risk, it also offers a great reward to you. The the other side, the opposite of this word, it's simple. It's easy. You don't have to put a lot of thought into it. You can just coast. And if you're into coasting, then I guess you would sit on that side of the pie. The thing is, this morning, I don't think that's where we're at. It's not where I'm at. I don't think it's even where you're at. Here we are starting a brand new year, a brand new decade, 2020. We're kind of in that season of resolutions, and as I talk to people, I I sense this feeling that we want something more, that there's something that has not been attained yet in our spiritual lives, that we haven't got to that point yet, we haven't experience Jesus the way that we want to. This morning, I want to draw you guys to a passage of Scripture. And we're going to start off with that. And it is in Luke 5. If you've got your Bible with you and you want to open it up to that, or you're using your Bible app and you want to bust that out, you can head that direction. And I just want to pray over the Word real fast. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you touch our hearts this morning. Father, I pray that you would move the scales away from our eyes. That, Father, maybe we even see something for the very first time. And, Lord, do something amazing with it. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. Jesus calls his first disciples. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake at Genesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, which if you have read your Bible a whole lot, there's a lot of different miracles that happen on the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, and he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep waters and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, 
We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I want to break this passage of Scripture down just in some little parts because I, I think there's something in it that's going to speak to us. The first section, it says, Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry uh, at this part, but he was already attracting crowds. And anytime he would teach, people would crowd around him. And really, it was just those 10, 15 people that were right around him that could hear him. So he was looking for another way that more people could hear. So he steps into Simon's boat. Simon, Peter, the theologians believe that had already had some interaction possibly with Jesus. In the chapter before, it says that Jesus was at Simon's mother-in-law's house and she had a fever. And, but already at this time, because of the people that were following him around, he had caused quite a stir. So it's a great possibility that Jesus and Simon have already connected. It says, when Jesus finished preaching, he asked Simon to head out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I love the realness in this next part of the, the, of the scripture. It says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Master, he calls him. Which is a little bit like boss or teacher. I think of it in our day, okay, boss man, um, we'll, we'll let out type of a thing. In my head, it goes a little bit differently in, in today's times. This was written 2,000 years ago. But I kind of imagine Peter saying, come on, dude. You've already taken me away from patching and cleaning my nets. I have fished all night long. And you know this is what I do, right? I mean, I, I'm a fisherman. And you're a teacher, a rabbi. Maybe he's thinking he's the Messiah, but maybe not yet. You see, what we do is we catch fish in the shallows at night because the, shit, the fish make their way up. And now you want me to push out into the deep? It doesn't even make sense. But you have done some miracles, so I don't know. Let's push out. And they head out into the deep. It says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
within moments of getting out into the deep end and casting their nets, all of a sudden fish are literally just swimming into their nets as fast as they can that they can't even keep up. It says that Jesus motioned over. Uh, there was one commentator that said that he didn't want to yell it out because he didn't want other fishermen to hear what was happening. So, so he's literally like, you know, to his friends, come over here. You're not going to believe what's happening. Can you imagine if you were just part of that crowd that was sitting on the shore and you're just kind of watching this go down? Jesus gets out in the boat. He teaches a little bit. He tells Peter to put out into the deep and cast your nets and you're just kind of watching. And then all of a sudden, they start pulling the net in that has so much fish in, they're having a hard time getting the nets into the boat. One boat fills up. He's waving over his friends. The other boat comes. It fills up. And their boats are sinking. The people on the shore have got to be thinking, what is going on here? I've never seen this before. And there's a part of the scripture that I think really speaks to really what kind of a miracle it was. Because once again, do you remember, first of all, Peter calls him master, which denotes boss. And now he says, Lord, Lord, which means Messiah or God. Something happens in that moment. If, G if Peter was sitting on the edge of whether or not Jesus was the Messiah, he's not sitting on it anymore. He says, Lord, I am a sinful man. Go away from me. There's something about when we allow ourselves to get close to God, and then when his presence fills the room, there's something that draws you in, but it also makes you see your insufficiencies. But it makes you see his wonder and his gloriousness and what the power and strength and grace and mercy he holds for us. And that's where Peter was at at this moment. Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. So Simon Peter announces him Lord. They get the boats to shore. And then Simon Peter and these other men who have been fishermen their whole life, their whole life, this is what they do. This is how they provide for their family. It says they left everything and followed him. Whew. My question for you guys this morning is, where are you spending your days? Where are you spending your efforts? What have you decided in your own perfect wisdom is the best way to lead your life? Kind of like Peter did. You know, we, we fish in the shallows. Is it possible that maybe you've been hanging out in the shallows too long. This is the way I've always done it. This is the way I'm going to do it now. Or maybe, just maybe, are you ready to take a chance? Are you ready to take a shot? Take a step of faith and push out into the deep end where the power and the presence of Jesus is unlike anything you've ever known. Shallows, deep end. Ordinary, amazing. For some reason, water stories, they, they always get me. I always 
have a sense of uh, belonging to them in a sense because I love the water. Somebody who's from Colorado and really is landlocked, that it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but it does. When I was growing up, my best friend's parents, they had a cabin in Buena Vista, Colorado, which is right in the middle of the mountains, and it's just this valley, and there's a small stream that comes down from Mount Princeton, and then the, the Arkansas River also flows right through river. And that stream, Todd's grandpa used to take us up and drop us off in the foothills, and we would tube all the way down that stream right in front of their house. It was so awesome. We learned how to fish for trout on that stream. There was one spinner that if you, would, if you got that spinner, man, you wouldn't be out there an hour, and you had 20 trout. It was, it was so much fun. And then we graduated to the Arkansas. In, in my high school years, I started boating, learning how to water ski. In, in my 20s, I had moved to Tulsa for three years, and all my friends were huge boaters. So three or four times a week, we would go out onto the lake after we got off in the middle of the week when there's nobody there. And there's nothing like when the sun is going down and you, you're, it's your turn. You're out in the water. You're telling them to put on your favorite song. There was this girl named Jennifer Knapp. She had this just awesome rock kind of Christian feel to it. It was, it was amazing. And I would always tell them, put on that song because I'm getting ready to roll, you know. I loved the deep. I loved the water. I loved anything, any sport that had to do with water. I wanted to be a part of it. But we don't, we don't start there, right? Every one of us, our experience with water usually starts a lot, lots, when you're a lot smaller. You start in the shallow end of the pool. Your parents start to teach you the basics of breathing underwater and kicking with your feet. And I remember we all get to that place, okay, where we're getting pretty good at swimming. And we're on the side of the pool, and you kind of edge yourself out. And then it's where the pool goes down, and, and it falls out from under you, so you can't touch anymore. And you want to get out into the deep, right? We had a pool in Colorado Springs that we would go to, and they had a high dive. They had a regular diving board and this high dive that was about 15 feet. And I wanted so bad to be able to go on to that high dive that summer. So the beginning of the summer, I start working. I start working on being able to swim across the pool. And if you're a parent, you kind of have this in mind. Uh, when, whenever I taught my kids how to swim, everybody has that moment where for the first time they leave the edge of the pool. It's too deep. They can't touch. They take a couple strokes and then they freak out. The kids turn around with this look on their eyes and they've got big old, you can see the whites of their eyes. Our, our little foster girl, Serenity, last summer we were teaching her how to swim and she had a life jacket on, but she'd never been in the deep without holding onto something before. And she jumped out and missed this floaty that we had and she just went into panic mode. I mean, it was, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. With every one of my children, as, as I've seen this happen, there's something inside of me that just laughs just a little bit hard. I mean, I know. I know. I need Jesus. But listen, I'm telling you, it, it's funny because they're not in, in any danger. Serenity wasn't in any danger. She had a life vest on. But we all have that moment, and we all get past that moment. We all get out of the shallows and eventually get to that deep end. That summer, about halfway through the summer, I finally make it where I can swim across and back in the deep end. And I get to go to the high dive. And I'd like to tell you that I stepped to that, that high dive with all the girls watching and launched out into this beautiful swan dive. 
but really it was a little more like this. <laughs> but I made it to the deep. I made it to the deep end. And I think that's where we're at this morning. Maybe we've been hanging out in the shallows too long, and it's time to take that step into the deep end. What does it look like for us as a church, as a church body? What does it look like for you this year to push out into the deep of your faith? To not feel like you're just going to hang in the shallows and just kind of coast and do the easy thing, but to actually... Trust God that he wants to do something amazing in your life. Sometimes I think we make this so much harder than it really is. There's a passage of scripture in Matthew 22 that I want to share with you guys. And and it's a passage that if you've grown up in church, you've heard a hundred times. And I want you to see the simplicity, but the deepness of Jesus' words. Okay, Matthew 22, it says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God. Love people. You can't just love God. And you can't just love people. In the Old Testament, these were two laws, but they were always spoken at a different time. They were among the hundreds of different laws that you had to try and follow. And so they kind of get lost in the mix. But for the first time now, Jesus is pulling the two of them together. In a sense that they really have kind of a symbiotic relationship between the two. You can't just love God. You have to love people. And you can't just love people. You have to love God to be able to love them the way that God loves them. There's a story on, has anybody ever watched the 30 for 30s on ESPN? There's a story about one of them where it's this basketball player at Georgetown. It's like 25 years ago. And she has the opportunity to go pro. She was really good. She was a center at Georgetown. And she decides instead to go into this nunnery. And this nunnery, she, you go into and you don't communicate with anybody. She spends 10 to 12 hours a day on her knees praying and seeking out God's presence, which I'm sure if you spend that amount of time that you probably really sense God's presence. The hard part is, is that she's totally cut off from society. She hasn't seen her parents. She hasn't seen her friends. She gets to see nobody. And so ESPN, they were there the day that she, at 25 years, you get 10 minutes to say hi to your family and give them a hug. And they show her, she's in her little nun outfit, and she's behind this half door. And and she gets to hug her parents for the first time in 25 years. Her friends, her basketball coach, they're all there. And then it's right back in. And you're just like, man, you've missed it. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. They've missed it. 
You can't do one without the other. Let's start with the love their God part, okay, for all of us. How do we love God with all that we are, with all of our heart, soul, and mind this year? How can we step forward, step out of the shallows and into the deep? It's pretty simple. Get into God's presence. Get into his presence. That story that we looked at in Luke 5, the people were following Jesus around wherever he went because they knew that they were going to experience something. They knew that they were going to taste his presence. That's why Peter and Simon, or excuse me, that's where Peter and James and John and Andrew, that's why they all left everything that they had so that they could just get into Jesus' presence. How do we do that? If you've ever heard a sermon on tithes and offerings, you've probably heard the principle of the first fruits. And the principle of the first fruits is, is back in those times, farmers would plant their fields in succession. And so this first part would come up first, and they would take that 10%, and they would give it, go to the temple, and they would give it to their local church in hopes that God would bless the other 90%. To get into his presence, I want to encourage you today to commit to being here on Sundays. Give God the first fruits of your week. Does it, does it make a difference? You know it does. I, I, it's been a lot of years since I really missed church, but there's those Sundays, I get about four a year that, that, uh, I, I'm, that I get to take off. And I normally go and see another church. <laughs> But the weeks that I miss, there's something missing during the week. It's almost like I feel like I don't have as much of God's presence. And I think when you get here amongst others who believe, amongst others who are striving in their faith as well, it does something to us. For the first time and maybe the only time every week, our problems are kind of left at the door and we put our focus on God. We pray we worship, and we get into his word. Which brings me to the second point. So the first one is be here. Get in his presence. The second one is give him the first fruits of your weekdays, which means that you kind of need to repeat that process. Talk to God. He wants to know you. Pray Whether it's in the morning, whether it's at noon, whether it's at night, I don't think it matters. Just get into his presence. Pray, read the word, and I would say worship. I know a lot of times when I'm just driving around town, I'm worshiping. Steven, he's been playing that Waymaker song here during the week. Man, I can't get enough of it. And I would encourage you in those times, maybe you're driving around in your car, get into his presence. So we get into his presence on Sunday. We, we can get into his presence on our own during the week by your devotional time. Secondly, the second half of that scripture, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. All in the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The other way you can get into God's presence is to be around God's people. It is to create relationships. It is to get to know the person who's sitting next to you. 
There's a scripture in Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I think even Paul, when he wrote this to the Galatians, he was saying the relationships that you have in here are important. It's actually going to help you grow in your faith. It's going to help you get to a deeper place in your spiritual life. So Jesus tells us we need to love people. You know, Jesus was the perfect example of this. He had his 12 disciples that he hung around with. They would go to the temple all the time. Relationships were important. Nowhere in the Bible do I see that God said that we are supposed to do this alone. If you go back to the very first book of the Bible where it was just Adam, God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for this man to be alone. I think he thought he was going to chew his foot off if he doesn't do something. And so he creates woman, thankfully, you know. But that was God's design. It's God's design that, that we have relationship with each other. It's God's design that we help each other grow, that we become better because we're together. Second part of loving your neighbor is to love outside these walls. Every single one of you throughout the week, you have an opportunity to be around those who don't have faith in God. Every single week. Whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's sitting at the bus stop, it doesn't matter where you are at. We, God puts opportunities in front of us to love on others. There's a passage of Scripture in Philippians 2.4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I love Jesus in Matthew 7. He says, In everything then do to others as you would have them do to you. Let me ask you, have you ever had this conversation with somebody? Wow, I, I just wish, I wish somebody would pay attention to me. You know, what are those things that we wish? We wish somebody would invest in us. We, we wish somebody just had a great ear and could listen to the, the struggles maybe that we're going through. I think we all have those seasons where, wow, I, I feel alone. And we wish somebody would reach out. What I'm encouraging you as the people of God is to actually do that, to actually be that for people, to see the ones that are hurting, to reach out, to love on them, to show interest in them, to invest in them, to listen to them, to encourage them. Loving your neighbor Yes, it has to do with us in here, but it also has to do with the people on the, that are on the outside of those walls. Step out. Loving people can be hard. I guarantee you, you can think of a hundred other things that you could be doing other than loving other people. Because isn't that what we do? We fill up our schedules, sometimes as packed as it possibly can be. And what God is saying is put others before your own interests. I would encourage you to make a plan, to be intentional about getting into God's presence. 
about being here on Sundays, about having that time with God throughout the week, and about loving others. Be intentional. Make a plan. I can't tell you how many times I've walked away and thought, oh, that was so good. I'm, I'm going to do that. By Wednesday, I've forgotten. But if you're going to move from the shallows into the depths of what God desires for you, you've got to be intentional. We are going to have this semester, and you've heard us talk about it a little bit. We're going to have, starting next week, our Get Involved cards are going to come out with connect groups and equip groups. Connect groups are set up just for you to create relationships within the body of the church. It's just going to be an incredible time of actually investing in each other, of getting to know other couples, of getting to know other singles, other young adults, other empty nesters, whatever the case may be. I'm so excited because I think this is going to be a game changer for getting to know the people that you come to church with. And then we're also going to have equip groups. And equip groups are a little bit different in the main purpose of equip groups is spiritual growth, is personal development, and is community, but in a little bit different way and kind of a mid-size group. And so next week, you're going to be able to see all of those that are going to be available. And my hope is, is that every single one of you take that step to go deep with others, to get to know others, to invest in others. It truly is going to be an amazing semester, and I believe it has the possibility of making this the best year yet that we've had. Because, guys, let me tell you, when we move into that theater, we've talked about it, about hitting the wall of our growth, and all you have to do is look around today, and it's happened. When we move into there, it's going to allow others to come. This church is going to grow, and our hope is to provide those places where people are going to get an opportunity to connect with others and to grow in their spiritual relationship with God. So I want to take you to one more story. And it's in John 21. And as we go into this story, I just want you to ask one question. What does it look like this year for you to step out of the shallows? and move into the deep, to put out into the deep, as Jesus said, this year. And will it be worth it? Will it be worth it? In this story, John 21, you can open up in your Bible. What's funny about this story is it's almost exactly like the story in Luke 5. But this time, Peter has spent three years with Jesus He's been through the good times. He's been through the hard times. He's seen the healings. He's seen the miracles. He's seen people spit on Jesus. He's seen them put him on the cross. And he's already seen him raised from the dead. But Jesus says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. 
Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your notes, excuse me, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And they didn't know who was on the shore, whether it was they were too far out or it was just dawn. So they were having a hard time seeing. But then once again, this same miracle that they lived out three years ago happens. And it says, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he stands up, wraps his outer garment around himself, and launches himself in the water to get to Jesus as fast as he can. Do you think it was worth it to Peter? Do you think the struggle, the risk, do you think it was worth it? Because what I see here is a man who is so in love with Jesus that he's not even going to let water get in the way of him getting to him. He is so excited that Jesus is on the shore. And I would say this to you guys this morning. Maybe you've been hanging out, kind of floating in the shallows, kicking the water around, coasting a little bit. And maybe what God wants you to do this year is put out into the deep. Put out into the deep and cast your nets and see how he might take you from ordinary to amazing. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I kind of threw a, a curveball at Stephen today. We had this other song planned, and I said, you know what? That song, Nothing Else, man, it's good. But it's what's behind the song. Nothing else, guys. Nothing else but Jesus. It's about getting out of the shallows and getting into the deep. It's about taking the steps that you need to take this year. Maybe it's in uh, your relationships. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's something that God is calling you to. Maybe he's calling you into ministry and you need to take that step out this year. Maybe he's calling you to be a connect group leader and love on some people. God's got something for you, for every single one of us. And really the choice is up to you on whether you put out into the deep or you stay in the shallows. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, as we come to you today, Father, we're thinking about our lives. We're thinking about the things that we do day in and day out. And Father, just like Peter, who was just going along doing his own thing, in his own wisdom, fishing in the shallows. And then Jesus steps in. 
Father, my prayer this morning is that you would move in our lives. That, Lord, you would help us to see with clear eyes the direction that you are taking us, individually even. And, Father, give us the courage and the trust and the faith, Lord, to take those steps to put out into the deep. We love you, Lord. As the band is playing this morning, I'm going to have the prayer team come up. And the question that I just want you to consider this morning, where in my life, Lord, do you want me to leave the shallows and head out into the deep? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.